0: Episode Two, Magical Realism. Hello and welcome to Reaction Shots. Uh, I am the host, Ian Hink. Uh, my shirt choice was bad; I blend into the curtains. So, you know, if you're listening in audio, you're probably getting the better experience. Uh, I am joined by my co-host over there, Michael Huber. Hello. How are you doing, Huber? Doing great. Great. Uh, doing and- well. Our special guest for today uh, is Justin Angelmo. Hello, everybody. Uh, Justin uh, and I co-created Seedlings with John Finger, um, but you also have a background in film. Do you want to talk about that briefly?
1: Yeah, I have a background in writing, directing. Uh, I've worked on Hey Ash, what you play in the web series, which used to be with game. We used to yeah. be part with game trailers uh, for forever now. <laughs> yeah, long, long yeah. time? a long, long time. I've uh, done some other web series, baked goods, and then, of course, seedlings. And, yeah, just working on new projects now. Yeah.
0: yeah. And you studied filmmaking in school?
1: Yeah, so I went to uh, the film school at Loyola Marymount University, studied, uh, it was like production, so kind of film and television production at the time. The internet was still so new that yeah. they didn't really teach that which was funny because that's exact that's all I was doing yeah, like, yeah. I, I have technically never done like a written or directed a full film or like yeah. a full television show so like all my all my work has been on the internet but that was like just coming to be when I was in film school and like it, they were still kind of like Pretentious about it, like, yeah. ew, the internet. Yeah, yeah. That's that's never gonna have any sway or importance. <laughs> well, so. it was funny, it's
0: funny because my program at DePaul was called Digital Cinema, and like, it was one of the first ones that was just that. You that's know? cool. So it was like, some people were like, "This is a betrayal," you know? Yeah. But I was like, "Fine, it's fine." It was like third year that it had ever existed, you know? So like, wow, so cool. they so they that's
1: they embraced it pretty early. They that's embraced great. it pretty early. Yeah. yeah, I
0: was there in like 2003 and it was the third year it had been around, I think. When I started, so I think it started in 2000, cause I started my second year, after my second year.
1: Yeah, uh, Yeah, I remember there was one class, like a teacher that was very savvy, she was really cool. She came in and she kinda was teaching about new media and it was mainly yeah. about like the internet. Back when
0: It was called new media. Yeah, it was called me- <laughs> new <laughs> this media. Internet thing. Yeah, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, them yeah. and SAG. Yeah. A little late on the uptake. <laughs> uptake. Um. Anyway. Uh. Well, thank you for joining us. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank so uh, yeah. this is Reaction Shots, the Easy Allies Movie Podcast, and uh, this month we are talking about magical realism, uh, which, uh, is defined sort of as, um. You know, the the world of the film is presented as real, or at least consistent with a set of strict rules, you know, but usually it's mundane, like our own reality, and then there's any number of things, one or two, that are magical or somehow incongruous within that reality, and generally, it's unexplained or supernatural, and characters within the movie uh, kind of just accept it, most often than not, like... More often than not. So something that's magical realist uh, would be uh, like powder. Yeah. Or like suddenly a character can, uh, you know, walk through walls, but no one bats an eye, you know, Mm -hmm. like whatever. That's an example I made up, but uh, stuff like that, you know uh
1: yeah i guess i was thinking my favorite one of the ones when we were talking about this earlier yeah when we were talking about our favorite one of my favorite magical realist movies is uh um porco rosa ah and that's really just he's a everyone's normal it's normal i think it's in italy and yeah. everyone's a normal human normal reality except he's a pig yeah he's a man pig <laughs> he's a man pig he's a man pig <laughs> an actual pig person and, and everyone just accepts it yeah yeah They're like, oh yeah he's
0: a pig I think that uh, a lot, a few patrons actually. We've got a lot of really great patron comments this month, so I'm going to lean on that a li- probably a little more than I did the first episode. And I've got a different kind of structure. We're going to start by talking about the assignment film this month, which was Brazil, um, and then we're going to kind of uh, move the focus out a little farther and talk about further and talk about the, other movies and the stuff The assignment
2: like that. film sounds like a movie. Yeah. Yeah. You see the assignment film. <laughs> see the assignment. <laughs> the assignment <thing? laughs> Rated R
0: Yeah Uh, Yeah Sorry Um, Oh no but I mean Kind of what this episode will largely be about Is in part what does magical realism mean Because even on the internet Even on a lot of like top 10 magical realist films You know uh there they're like groundhog's day is on like almost all of them and mm. i would say that's not really magical realism kind of it's more just a fantasy movie yeah cuz you know, it has like
1: a, a set rule right and it's yeah. like
0: but then it kind of is magical realist and if it depends it depends on your definition for yourself it, right but you know for me i've got a pretty strict definition of it for myself where it's like It's like one or two things that are incongruous with the rest of reality, where it's like, is that dude a dog? (laughs) Is that dog that dude? I'm not sure. Maybe, you know? But then, like, films like Groundhog's Day or The Lobster, where the central conceit is this magical realist thing, but they live in a reality where that is an accepted rule, so... You know, in the film The Lobster, I would say it's probably not magical realism, even though it is this magical element. Because everyone knows Because it's a it. known quantity. Okay. Right. Whereas then, with that definition, Groundhog's Day, or Groundhog Day, might be magical realist because then it's only happening and he doesn't understand why. Yeah. But he spends most of the film trying to explain it, so it's like... You know, yeah, because like <laughs> the, him trying
1: to understand it is is part of the film, right? Like, and there is a there is a system happening that he is aware of and right. confused by, as we are as well as the viewer. Right, but yeah, I feel like ma- to me, magical realism is like the film isn't questioning it, right? It just happens magically. And I
0: do think I do think that, um, you know, the Green Mile is another kind of borderline one where it's like you know, uh, coffee. I forget his first name, we'll get into it, a uh, comment talked about it, but, you know, he has this power, this healing power, and it's not explained. Characters do comment on it, though. So it's like, does that make it not magical realism? The mm-hmm. best example is, uh, as a few patrons pointed out, so this will probably be reiterated, but uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world is great because, you know, Things will just like, oh, I was taking a transdimensional highway that runs through your mind. Or yeah. whatever. Like <laughs> and that's just that's just thrown out there. That's a thing that happens mm-hmm. and it's like, whatever. Like yes, it's the Green, exactly. the green
2: Mile, the Green Mile is a really interesting case because it's like so religious. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. you you hear of these stories and myths and legends in in reality of people like healers, like yeah, healing people. Yeah, yeah. Versus something like Scott Pilgrim, like highway in your mind you know so so it is interesting like the green mile i could see that being like a borderline one Uh because it's like based in reality
0: um so yeah some some examples that i came up with that uh May or may not fit directly the definition of magical realism. I think that by the end of tonight we may discover that like there are only like four films that actually employ magical realism, <laughs> and a few patrons actually had some really insightful this is, comments. This is why
2: there. I love being on the show, Ian, because I feel like it's I feel like I'm learning.
0: Yeah, that's the hope. I like, want it, I want us to all feel included. I want yes. us to feel like we're learning. I, I want it to feel like you didn't have to go to film school to follow yes. along, but if you did. You know, this is like another class that, you've, <laughs> that yeah. you're you taking, you know. Um, but yeah, some examples uh, that may or may not even be right that I came up with are The Green Mile, Amelie, uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Birdman, Midnight in Paris, a lot of uh, Heo Miyazaki films, Borgman, Uncle Boonmee who can recall his past lives, which is a pretty bonkers movie. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, The Royal Tenenbaums, Spotting, Antichrist, Barton Finks, Swiss Army Man, The Ninth Gate, Venus in Furs, Blazing Saddles, Being John Malkovich, Adaptation, Upstream Color, Wings of Desire, Magnolia, Big, Oh Brother We're Out There, Holy Motors, Hudsucker Proxy, The Lobster, Twid Peak, Stranger Than Fiction, Mahal Drive. And then, of course, our assignment film for this month, Brazil. Uh, an example from this month's assignment, Brazil... Uh, characters engulfed in papers and disappeared it's <laughs> not overtly explained within the film's reality it is it does take place within a pretty much definitive dream sequence toward the end of the movie after uh lowry's mind is broken yeah uh so you know within the we'll talk about that in a little bit uh our dream sequences do they count uh mm-hmm. you know we'll we'll get into that but um uh, it's not meaningless. It's magical, but not meaningless. Uh, and uh, patron Stephen Beaumont says the paper scene in Brazil is born of the main character's upbringing. He believes that all the red tape and paperwork that De Niro has been avoiding would catch up to him, and it mirrors the film's ending, bleakly stating that you can't beat the system no matter how corrupt it is, and you cannot escape. Which I thought was really a cool point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's brutal.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. like
0: it's like whoa. <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, right, I think. Like, that's totally on the nose. Um, if you're viewing this, if, if you're saying this counts, because yes, again, it's taking place within a fantasy thing. Right. Um, and we'll get into this a little later, too. But I think that uh, Brazil is an interesting choice for this assignment because uh, the assignment films in this in, in reaction shots have to fit not only this week's or this month's topic, but the previous month's topic. So Brazil, I thought, was a great example of world building and had a few moments of magical realism within it. Um, And then, this is something that we're going to discuss throughout the evening, is that can a film that takes place entirely in a sort of magical, altered reality, can it contain magical realism? And I think that one could argue that if you take Brazil, a film whose world has very strict rules not all of which are outlined to us, the viewer, but has a consistency within itself, can you then set that as the mundane baseline and then look for magical realism jumping up from that point? You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, like in the film, uh, Stranger Than Fiction, mm-hmm. which could be an example of magical realism because, you know, he's living in our world, he's having a mundane life. And then he starts hearing this narration and then that is explained throughout the course of the film, like, what's actually happening, you know? But the cause of that, and, like, if if she, if the author actually invented him or if she just got lucky and was describing an already extant human being, if that counts, you know? Yeah. I would say that that almost is magical realism because that is never explained. Like, why this is happening is never explained. Right. It's It's often questioned by will ferrell's character but it's never expressly uh, you know addressed so i never saw that one right it's actually a pretty good movie (laughs) i actually really like it um you know it's kind of cute but uh so like could you then say in a world where this kind of stuff is the norm are there examples of magical realism and i think that in uh brazil there are a few um i think that things like the pipe when he puts the the two he keeps getting uh the little pneumatic mail deliveries and then he like connects the two pipes together you know and then the pipe starts expanding and explodes stuff like that and like this freedom and like we discussed it in our um, commentary tracks which you can get on our soundcloud page they don't come in the rss feed by the way because i didn't want to bog you down with Commentary tracks if you didn't want them, but uh, you can listen along and sync them up to the movie. But we talked about how Brazil, on the whole, almost feels like a fantasy sequence. How like you could probably read this film as Sam Lowry just going insane. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Robert De Niro doesn't exist. Maybe that's just another it's, aspect of his personality. Yeah, like, just who De- knows?
2: De Niro in that, and like like uh, the patron said about um, the papers eating him. Yeah, you know, there's this line early on where De Niro freaks out about the paperwork really yeah. briefly and another way to look at it maybe a, a simpler way is that's before he's captured and he's in this you know clockwork orange mind capsule thing and that when he's captured and he's in that it's damaging his brain so much that he's recalling de niro's fear yeah. so he's like seeing that in his mind too oh yeah, yeah. And he's being consumed by the papers yeah so and and, and that tied in. The reason I thought about that was because uh, when he first sees um, the the woman in his dream, yeah, and then he's walking Jill? through the, Jill, and he's walking through the halls, and then uh, she's on the TVs, but yeah. then he doesn't really see it. But, but then, then it he shows looks the back other people, not, like, yeah. Then it shows the other people watching it, and she is on the screen, right? And it's just like these subtle things he's picking up that are sticking in his brain, that all kind of come unhinged yeah. when he's in that one. Well, like that we were pod. talking about
0: is like. Is she... Like, are we the viewer being shown her face in his dreams just because she's... Like, is he literally seeing her forward yeah. in time? Or has he noticed her somewhere before and is subconsciously just calling her up? <laughs> or is it just some, like, uh, you know, random every woman, like, dream girl thing that he then retroactively inserts her into his mind and says, Oh, that was you in my dream! But really it's just... I'm seeing you now, and I'm remembering you in my dream, you know? Yeah.
1: Like. I, I always interpreted it as the latter, as, yeah, as that, where, like, he had this, he sees her and like, that's the ideal, my ideal that I've seen in my dream. Right. Like, it's got, like, whatever essence she has is the same essence. It might not necessarily be the same person, but mm-hmm. in terms of, like, film technique, like, film, it is, because to make the right. viewer understand that connection. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's it's actually really interesting with Brazil, because since... It takes place in such a alternate reality where things are so extreme, but still grounded. Like right, everything is right. still grounded, but you kind of can accept. It's almost easier to accept the magical realism elements because you're already accepting a completely alternate reality. Right. So it's still like, hey, wait a minute. Like that, like that didn't follow the rules of our world, but you kind of believe it because the it makes sense in the
0: world that, that they've created. Yeah. Yeah. Like the heightened atmosphere. Um uh John Lepari patron says that uh as far as Tuttle's dis- disappearance in Brazil is concerned I think it's explained pretty clearly. We we learn that Sam never actually leaves the interrogation chamber at the end of the film. So anything taking place after that is merely Sam losing grip on reality. Jack starts uh when Jack starts his frontal lobotomy, I think that Jack's gunshot wound to the head is actually Sam's mind popping open once Jack inserts the tool. That's when his dream escape sequence starts. And I think that's totally true. And uh, again, as we'll talk about in a minute, like dream sequences, do they count? Do they not? Yes, it could not count. Yeah. uh, yeah. And um, but I think that even before that in Brazil, there are strange examples of reality bending itself in an unexplained way. And one of the main ones for me that I can't tell if it's just a, a failing in the storytelling and character development, or if it's an intentional kind of fulfillment of this fantasy that, is kind of a prevalent theme throughout the entire movie. Like, uh, Jill's sudden kind of like love for him. Like Mm -hmm. after the, after they've escaped and like bombing and like this stuff, how she shows back up and shows genuine care for Sam. And, um, like she's in love with him suddenly. Whereas before she was not. Yeah. And like, part of me wants to say that that's just a movie, you know, whatever, like love is hard to do in a movie. That's not a love story, you know? Mm -hmm. And even then, uh, but part of me wants to say, this is the beginning of Sam's mind unraveling. Like maybe it's a subjective view of her behavior that we're being shown. And like that gets a little hairy when they have sex. Uh, and like she's like, "How about a little necrophilia? You know, like, great line. But like, is this real? Is this not? It's before the dream sequence mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. um and like later on, Mr. Helpman says that she died, but the funny thing is she happened to do it twice. So it's like pretty clear she got shot resisting arrest. You know, like she's dead yeah. for good this time. You yeah. know, what if she was dead to begin with? Well, that's the thing. And like, like he came home and it's she's not even
2: alive. Who knows? You know, necrovillia Yeah, Necrovilia, yeah. Like, <laughs> him and the dead corpse. Yeah, it yes, could be. He, yeah. You know, the, like I didn't even think he was uh, like losing it then. You know, right. totally unhinged.
0: Well, like, and They his, come
2: in and he's really dragging a corpse. Like, no, yeah, no, yeah, Necrovilia. yeah.
0: Well, in his behavior right. when he like, during the chase when he's taking control of her truck and, like, cause, like, driving through barricades and, like, causing cops to crash, and, like, he starts laughing giddily like yeah. a crazy child, you know? And it's like, this behavior is bizarre even for him, you yeah. know? And it's such a sudden turn that it really does seem like this is... The whole movie is some kind of fantasy fulfillment, and in a way, the sad ending, quote-unquote, is happy because... He gets, he escapes, he's free. The only way to escape is by going mad, mm-hmm. and he does it. He's out. He's living in the in the uh, green place with Jill, and, like, is that good? That's good, because he made it out. He's fine.
1: Reality is your perception. Yeah, yeah. So, whatever uh, one you, you accept is the <laughs> one that is, yeah. It's interesting, yeah, he's kind of unreliable because he's un- unhinged from the start. Right. So we never really know what is real or what is and his like subjective reality. And how much of the film
0: is going along with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we'll get into subjective realities too, but uh, are there other good examples of re- magical realism in, in Brazil? Uh, Pugi says, Gilliam is a master of magical realism, in my opinion. Another master is uh, Satoshi Khan. Uh Perfect Blue is the is a movie by that guy, and uh, it's a great example of the unreliable narrator being used in a film and tension that builds brilliantly because of it. It's no coincidence that Khan was heavily influenced by Gilliam, once saying the most important influence on me at the time, I think, wasn't a single film, but the works of Terry Gilliam. Despite being fantasy, his depictions are quite bitter. His narration also uh, throws curveballs, and rather than covering every point in detail, he takes the staging off to a completely different point and plucks out a single vivid theme curveballs uh, escalation yeah like we talk about that a lot too It's like this film like it's the whole thing feels like an exercise in magical realism and like that makes me want to question if the filmmaking itself can be magical realist well, we'll there are a few examples uh, from Patreon or Patreon quotes in a second but like can the choice of lens or the choice of shot or the choice of story that you're telling be magical realist in terms of our own reality mm. like is the is the is the pure exercise of making a social commentary making like is this film an example of a magical realist moment in our own real lives lives you know what i mean like that's kind of a weird philosophical yeah. quandary yeah
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but i don't know it's an, an no, interesting it is, thought it is interesting uh imminent jargon says that brazil is an interesting choice for this topic although perhaps less because of the dream sequences but rather due to the way that the production design represents the normal everyday world of the characters in almost a hyperbolic cartoonish way that might not be magic but i think it introduces the possibility of the fantastic into the film ducts and pipes jut out of every corner in bizarre excess screens are layered upon other screens everyone seems to wear the same style of outfit the spaces are either dizzyingly wide open the lobby in sam's work workplace, Or paralyzingly claustrophobic, his new office. On top of that, most of the film is, or most of the movie is filmed with a wide-angle or fisheye lens, which also distorts how space appears in comparison to the human eye. On the one hand, all that, cre- or that all, creates a consistent aesthetic and sense of the world. But I also think it perhaps shows a world that is sort of breaking apart at the seams, and in which reality is always, un- already unstable, even before we get to the dream sequences. I thought that that was really interesting. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a great point. I think of point.
2: uh I think of his mom. Yeah. And her face is is yeah. coming undone <laughs> yeah. and unraveling. Or in her friend, like yeah. the
0: other uh plastic surgeon, just yeah. like Yeah. <laughs> it it like what what that patron is saying kind of echoes what I was saying a second ago is imminent jargon. Uh I feel like I feel like while there aren't, you know, too many exact uh Examples in this film that meet the definition of magical realism. I think that the filmmaking itself is sort of a magical realist kind of uh, vibe, I guess. Like, and that's something that we were noting in our commentary track about how everything is shot with this wide-angle lens, and it makes everything feel, even when you're, it makes everything feel simultaneously close but at a distance, mm-hmm. and like. There is this otherworldly quality, kind of an unsettling quality to everything.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: I think that's just everything coming together too. You know, the yeah, writing and sets and themes, of course. Yeah, and like the set, the set design and
1: the art design and direction. Like, I believe that is, that is all like magical realism because, like, you see these contraptions and even the tubes and and the the computers and the TV screens and like they technically shouldn't work but they do and you right. accept it right. and they kind of play with that that form of like you know what if i just put some wires here and that's underselling it because it's very yeah, well yeah, done yeah. but like building it all up and it's like that's not how things work but you accept it because it it, it worked it's working right. in the context right. of the film and people are accepting it as working like yeah i guess that is how they would you know in this reality get the air in you don't mm-hmm. know the schematics of it but right. It is, like, this kind of magical realist design of the entire world. And, like, all, like, the weird cable cars or that, like, the that like subway train car that yeah that looks like the, somebody's bathroom yeah, it looks like a bathroom <laughs> you like the 90s that actually isn't a working machine in real life but in the movie it's working
0: right and it you just accept it and like the yeah. bureaucracy itself and like tuttle yeah. working as an mm-hmm. as an outlaw ac repairman and then <laughs> bob hoskins and his funny partner showing up as like part of the system you know and like the paperwork and everything but like it's just so thought
2: out ian you're know yeah. talking about like rules and everything yeah and it's like you have to imagine before they set out to make this movie, they made rules from the biggest things like the the the, the way society works mm-hmm. all the way down to like a phone. Right. You know, just mm-hmm. rules for every or like, single little thing. You in the can world. take a
0: sewage pipe and pump it into the <laughs> air conditioner and it'll fill these guys' suits up like mm-hmm. Uh, like I wonder if they made it, yeah. those rules before they even put
2: that plot point in. You know? right. that's how yeah. that's how it feels. It's it, so it feels up. like
0: impossibly. <laughs> like I'm not sure how they got the sets or like how they did any of this. Yeah, but then it's similar enough to our own reality, like with the computers, like you were talking about when when he gets into the when he becomes a member of information retrieval and the office mate, you know, or like the fact that like the office is split in half even to the point where they're sharing a desk and they have to move the desk back and forth and the filing cabinet behind him is split in half and the poster is split in half poster, and it's like favorite, yeah. and that's so ridiculous yeah. but that's this kind of heightened magical realism at work because we the audience immediately see that and know that it's otherworldly but we we accept it along with the character because that's the world we're in yeah. and like is that a definition of just this fantasy world or is that magical realism we may never know
1: Yeah, I feel I feel like it's more magical realism because it's playing with the fact that it's real in that context. Whereas like fantasy, it's like this is just happening, this is the world, and these are its own rules. But with this, it's like very aware of our rules of normal reality. And it's like playing with them and and inverting them. Yeah. And uh and kinda yeah, and like kind of teasing us with them. Yeah. Like that scene where they're like tugging yeah, like that's a good Or like yeah, like
0: when he tries to use his his office mate's computer and and like they have a, there's a straight up like hardball joke where it's like, oh, the thing doesn't work. Oh. And he's like, well, you didn't turn it on, you know, and then he just turns it on. And we're like, yep, that's how computers work. <laughs> like we're right there with you because yep. it's our reality, but heightened, you know. Yeah. And, you know, that's it. We're getting into the realm of surrealism and, and satire and parody. But I think that there is kind of common ground there. With between that and magical realism, too. And, I mean, it is a fine line, but if we're defining the terms as we go...
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, which all of this leads into me thinking about, is magical realism a theme, a device, a genre? Because, like, mm. uh, if you look at the Wikipedia page, it claims that in literature, magical realism could be considered a genre. And I, I had never thought of it in that way. I always thought of it as... M- Device might not even be the right word, but as a, as, a, as a thing that exists in a moment within a framework of an entire work, you know? Right. And um, Confused Hulk says, One of the most impressive examples of the line between magical realism and realism is Grand Budapest Hotel. It's frequently referred to as magical realism, but to me it's more of an ideal realism, or a world that adheres to the same rules as the real world, but has an overall look and tone that captures the spirit of an idealist perspective. Or would you say this has magical realist overtones instead? Help me be less confused. Which I like because the username is Confused talk. <laughs> but uh, I think that's a really interesting point, because Grand Budapest Hotel, and I, I would argue maybe all of the Wes Anderson movies, are this kind of heightened idealized reality um and yeah. then i think even within those realities there are occasional magical realist moments you know like yeah. the the uh, leopard shark at the end of uh, zisu or uh just various uh moments like uh you know other examples that are yeah, escaping me at this of, time yeah, it's like more of a king like, or whatever <laughs> yeah just
1: yeah. They're more of like an alternate reality where everything's kind of in, a, this, in, in this idealized state. And then, right. yeah, every once in a while, maybe, maybe not in some yeah. films, there'll be a magical element.
0: Yeah. Oh, and again, like the filmmaking techniques, like the use of miniature and stuff like yeah. that, even, it lends it that kind of feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Grand Pitapest um, is a
2: really interesting one for me because I, I can't think of any one moment that would seem like magical realism. But yeah. just the like, like, uh, like comment was saying, just about the presentation of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards no. You know, I, I, I don't like you, have, you. You were saying earlier, you have a strict set of, yeah. you know, guidelines for it. And I just don't think costumes and, you know, location is enough by itself to mm-hmm. really be considered magical realism.
0: Because I would think that in in the Wes Anderson movies, like, I mean, Moonrise Kingdom, I think has some definite. Uh, magical realist moments where like this adult camp counselor would marry two children together without batting an eye or uh, the scene where they're all kind of like climbing down that rope or hanging down that rope at the end. It's like, it's a funny visual, Mm -hmm. you know? And Wes Anderson does stuff like that where it's a funny visual and you accept it. I think a great example now that I'm thinking about it is, uh, the assault on Ping Island in, uh, the life aquatic with Steve Zissou, uh, when he's rescuing, uh, the Bond Company stooge and Jeff Goldblum, uh, it's like this crazy ass shootout that's that you accept, you know, in a movie. Uh, but even I think within the realm of that reality is extremely unlikely to have be- like worked. But yeah. it just does, it and just like does because so. almost just because uh, Steve Zissou believes it will, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, uh, a similar a similar moment uh, is at the end of. Um, uh, American psycho where he has this like American action movie style shootout that in theory is happening in reality, you know, but is this just an artifice of film? Is it a commentary on the, that kind of power fantasy? You know, I would say that that's a magical realist moment within the reality of that film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know?
1: Yes. I guess like I personally like even in my own filmmaking i always see it as like a device and right. now i'm thinking about it. like we use that all the time and hey Ash. oh yeah and like sometimes we you know sometimes it will be very uh like magical realism in the sense where people accept it and we don't it just happens and not even the characters within the show or the reality question it right sometimes we question it like i guess we invert it as we please in order to uh whatever makes a joke funnier right so sometimes it's like you know what ash is just going to be able to teleport wherever she wants and everyone just accepts that that no one's questioning that right. she's teleporting right. but then other times she'll maybe have some other weird superpower and we'll have anthony comment and right like, on it. you can't do that yeah like if if that kind of helps the an joke example sell.
0: an example i just remembered from hey ash is when uh she says something like you're colorblind so if I had colors on you wouldn't be able to see me at all you know and he's like that's not how it works and then at the end of the episode she's like covered in red and he's like ash where are you and he looks in and he can't see her and then he leaves you know like it's totally how it works yeah Yeah, reality yeah yeah Yeah, so we like
1: subvert that I guess at our whim in order to (laughs) uh yeah to you know whatever makes the joke the funniest or the the moment kind of serve that serve the humor i think that but yeah so as a device that's how i live my life yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so i I guess like i really see it yeah magical realism more as a i I mean maybe you like you said device isn't the right word but you like employ it to kind of either you know serve a joke or serve another thematic element of your piece or kind of create some atmosphere that that moves the story along or that uh supports it so yeah it's really interesting
0: I think uh, this, this fits in really well. Uh, patron John Lepari again says, I'm not sure magical realism fits into either genre or device categories. It's more of a function in film that is a requirement of the audience. Its closest comparison being suspension of disbelief. Uh, and usually they work in tandem.
1: Ooh, yeah, I actually really like. I like, that, I that, like that a lot. Yeah, right? I like that a lot. He might have articulated that, well, or they might have articulated that right on the nose. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah,
0: it, it it does feel like that. It's it's a requirement of you, but it's a collaboration as well. I feel like
2: with a movie. Yeah. And I feel like the movie needs to be able to mm-hmm. set up the rules in a believable way for me as a viewer to give them the benefit of the doubt and to. Have suspension. of Yeah, disorder. to sign up for it. Yeah, yeah they exactly. They have to kind. of... They can't just throw everything at me at, at on a whim, you know. Like Brazil, when we were watching it, everything is just in place, all the right. rules, and you just go with it. And they slowly peel it back, peel it back, and just add on to the rules leading up to the final twenty minutes of just insanity. But by yeah. then, I'm fully on board and right, signed up. Right. So
1: it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's kind of it, it is definitely a relationship and a communication with the viewer and in a way, it's kind of your trust with them. Because mm-hmm. you can kind of, like, this, you're, you're showing them, like, this is how I'm telling a story. This is how I'm portraying it. This is all what I'm, these are the devices I'm using, the storytelling I'm using. And then if you kind of bend that a little, and they're like, hey. But if it's, right. if you do it in a way that, you know, serves a story and serves your character, and I guess doesn't push it too far, which is subjective, you're kind of like, you know, it's the difference of, like, telling, like, a little humorous lie or joke Right, and having them play along, or if you do it too much, you can totally betray the trust of the viewer, and then you're out of it. Yeah, like when then it's like becomes like, oh, that's a plot hole, or or it was lazy, or they they couldn't think of anything better. Yeah, so like I I can see it totally be like a relationship, and weirdly Mm -hmm. based in the trust, because yeah, it it requires both. It requires the audience to be signed up for it and to be aware of it and thinking about it and accepting it. Really, so yeah, you're kind of. And I think yeah. I think
0: that uh, at the hands of a master, you can even then uh, flip that, subvert that uh, mm-hmm. that expectation. Like David Lynch is a great example. Uh, Mahalan Drive, just like plot coming back in on itself and like showing you what you think is real and what is not. Uh, I mean, Lost Highway is a great example where halfway through the, the main character just changes to a different person. And it's just like, yeah, that's just what's happening here. Uh, I think another, another brilliant example is Michael Haneke, Uh, who uh, Cachet is one of my favorite films. I I would say that that almost even has a couple of moments um, that are just so startling that they almost verge on magical realism. But uh, the the true example would be uh, Funny Games, where, uh, you know, minor spoiler here for Funny Games, but, like, it's about this family being kind of scandalized and tortured by these two crazy people and... uh, Kids, basically. Yeah, just kind of everything going on is... um, not only kind of magical realism, especially in the rewind, the rewind sequence when one character is shot and then the other character goes, no, no. And then rewinds the movie. So it doesn't happen. Um, (laughs) but like, yeah, but this movie is an indictment of viewer pleasure in this kind of film. And like taking that kind of magical realist, uh, magical realist kind of device to punish the audience for taking pleasure in anything that's happening, you know? Like, if you view that movie as a comedy, it's a whole different experience. <laughs> like, go in and just try to laugh at this movie, like, because the joke's on you, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of interesting to, like, uh, flip the requirement of the audience and say, no, no, you think I'm playing along with you, but I'm punishing you. I'm laughing at you for watching this movie. Um. Talking again about uh, the difference between magical realism and fantasy, Alexander Zirianov, hopefully I didn't butcher that too terribly, uh, says, I think the difference between magical realism and fantasy is that in fantasy, magic is crucial for the plot, while in the case of magical realism, the story can be told without unexplainable events. Uh, Which leads me into the next big question. Is Harry Potter magical realism? Uh, I think that we could give a pretty quick one-word answer to that.
1: No. No. (laughs) Uh, No.
0: Again, John Lepari comes out and says, I would define magical realism as something that doesn't fit within the established universe of a film, but makes sense to the viewer because of our relationship with the protagonist. Films like Harry Potter aren't magical realism because magic is real in that universe and follows an established law. Uh, Liana Alexandru Says, uh, adds, the difference between fantasy and magical realism is that in fantasy, the authors create new worlds with their own rules, even if that world closely resembles our own, like Harry Potter. Uh, And when those rules are broken by something unexplainable, characters react to that and point it out. Whereas in magical realism, the world is as close to the real one as it can possibly be, with apparently the same rules. However, the appearance of the supernatural does not trouble the characters in any way.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's a nice... At least, like dirty excellent like viewpoint or perspective to see like is it magical realism right. or not?
0: i mean again scott pilgrim versus the world at the end she just opens some kind of trans-dimensional door and they float through it mm-hmm. that's just normal
1: yeah it's not like they <laughs> don't make a big, they're not going to take like a five minute scene to explain right like, what's happening yeah
0: why is you can't do
1: that it's what about suit.
0: uh what about pan's labyrinth did anyone uh, bring that up Well, that's our next thing. Magical, let's say, magical realist (laughs) segments or frameworks. Uh, How about films that have fantasy worlds that exist for a character apart from the real world? Mm -hmm. Think *Pan's Labyrinth, The Fall, Sucker Punch, The Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland. Are these examples of magical realism or fantasy? Is there a difference? Are they mutually exclusive? Hmm. I'll start us off with a patron comment. Kyle Lee asks, Would Howl's Moving Castle be considered magical realism? Prior to Sophie being cursed, Her life is very rooted in the real world, but from here on out, there are many magical things that she encounters, often taking the mundane, like a flame or a scarecrow, and giving them a life of their own. It's unknown if Sophie would have recognized these magical beings prior to being cursed, or if her perception would have kept them as normal. I suppose you could find examples of magical realism in all of Miyazaki's work, even all the way back to Castle of Cagliostro, when you consider the almost supernatural skill of many of the characters." Um, Another example that I think thought of while I was reading that just now is Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere, where there's a whole world of kind of like underground London that you don't notice. You'll walk by it, you'll see it, you can even talk to someone, but if you're not in the know, if you haven't really seen it, you don't grab on. You can't actually see it, you can't process it. And uh, it's all there, it's just you don't see it. That's a movie? Yeah, Uh, well they uh, made a BBC miniseries out of it is it cool? Uh, Sounds cool i mean the book is cool yeah uh the the bbc miniseries is called neverwhere Neverwhere. the yeah i haven't watched american gods yet either another neil Gaiman joint mm. but uh the the bbc series bothered me because uh it's british and they pronounce Marquis marquis which just yeah, that's ah, just weird <laughs> like valet it's valet it's i don't know whatever i'm not i'm not coming at you i'm not coming after you britain (laughs) it's it's just interesting to me um but yeah i mean what do you guys think of that like these this kind of uh in pan's labyrinth it's her escape right it's her mental escape but then in the end you're questioning if it's real or not because it it kind of takes its toll on her uh you know or in other things like um the fall you know is this just the imagination of this girl and Lee Pace as they tell the story together, you know, or are, you know, I think in the fall, like that's just what it is, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. um, yeah. Or wizard of Oz or, or, or uh, how's moving castle. Like once you're cursed or knocked unconscious or whatever, you, you start to notice things. You see things in the case of Howl's moving castle or wizard of Oz, you're transported somewhere else. But, maybe she was just hallucinating most of that, you know? Yeah, like <laughs> and, that, I feel like that's an
2: underlying theme of, yeah. of a lot of this magical realism is, like, mental damage. Mental damage. Yeah. You know, whether it's uh, people looking for an escape or people yeah. that are going crazy. Yeah, You know, and and it's their perception of what is real in it, and that leads the audience to question it.
0: Yeah. So then does
2: that make it, like, not magical realism or less? If it's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's That's
0: kind of the core question yeah. here, is that I would probably say that it is not, because it could be explained. Much like Lowry's dream sequence at the end of Brazil, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a dream sequence. Right, because it could still take,
1: there's nothing magical about it if it was, in a way that sounds really sad, but there's nothing magical about it if it was just a dream in our normal reality, because in our normal reality we can have these wild dreams wake up and you're like, oh, I didn't get eaten by 12 like tiger creatures yeah. or some, whatever the hell your yeah. dream is. <laughs> newspapers yeah. didn't Swallow. Me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um so yeah, that is I feel like, yeah, to me at least, it wouldn't if it can be explained in a way, or if it's like a dream, then that's something else. With magical realism is more like the Scott Pilgrim one you were saying right. where there's no explanation for it. It's just this weird element to the world that kinda you accept because it makes sense or you don't accept in in some cases, which I was trying to think of a film where it's something... Magical realism occurred, and it took me out of it. Like, it betrayed my trust. Yeah, And nothing... I I, I didn't really thought of... Right now, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure that has happened somewhere. For me,
0: uh, I don't know if you saw Swiss Army Man, but... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Swiss Army Man is a movie that... uh, I mean, and we're going to keep talking. We're going to be in this sanity versus dreams kind of segment here for a little bit here, but... uh, And I think that this movie... Factors into that, but to me, the betrayal at the end of this movie where, uh, it took me out of it is when he's trying to explain this magical thing that's happening, this corpse, you know, uh, to these people, the, to his dad and, and, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, actually, and, uh, you know, and... Their reaction, the dad's reaction, his estranged father's reaction, who's always thought his son is crazy, he just almost immediately is just kind of like, yeah, nodding, like, <laughs> and Mary Elizabeth Winstead is the only one who's like, what the fuck? Like, she mouths that, you yeah. know? To me, like, her reaction is the only acceptable one in this situation, and everyone else accepting it is, like, bizarre, It is you very know? bizarre. And to me, I was like, they wouldn't, that's not motivated. Like, I liked that movie. I liked everything up to that point, and I was like, their acceptance of this makes no sense until until a little later when like the body like zips off into the ocean then it's like okay maybe this is actually happening and not in this guy's head entirely
1: yeah it almost kind of undermined undermined it yeah a little bit his growth as a character like kind of accepting that it doesn't matter how other people see insanity although that movie was he was like when you find out he's just like creeping he's on her a creeper, way yeah. hard, and you're yeah. like, "This is actually unsettling." Yeah. Like, like, like I feel really bad for uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh
0: That's a kind of a gutsy movie to portray. the 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 protagonist is vile. Yeah, is like is yeah, not irredeemable. Not, yeah, like,
1: irredeemable. That's the cra- I was like, oh, I I really don't dislike yeah. this person
0: yeah. extremely. And at the end, you don't. It doesn't. When you back over.
1: You're right. Yeah. It doesn't. That was a strange movie.
0: What interesting choice to portray him such a
1: yeah, such like an unredeemable person.
0: What I liked about that movie though is it showed me like, hey, if you get the funding, you can kind of do whatever the hell you want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can get that Radcliffe on board. Yeah. That sweet call up Danny Radcliffe. Yeah, that sweet Harry Potter.
0: Yep. Uh Chris Martinez brings up Michelle Gondry, uh, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Signs of Sleep. I actually never saw Signs of Sleep, but I've seen Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. I think that's another good example of the filmmaking as magical realism, too. And, like, you know, things like very subtle things like, oh, she doesn't have a leg in this scene. Like, what's up with that? Never explain, not even point it out. Like, you'd watch the movie and you wouldn't even notice that. Uh, Cars falling out of nowhere and stuff. And, like, it makes sense because in the framework of this movie, we're in a deteriorating mind. You know,
1: Right, so yeah, it kind of now once again blurs the line. It blurs of, the line. Is this magical realism or is this explained in, in the context of the film? I think yeah. that,
0: conversely, being John Malkovich is magical realism, but it is still the core conceit of the movie because they don't even know why this is happening. They don't know why there's a door. I mean, unless I'm forgetting an explanation, but I don't think it's ever explained in that movie. They yeah. just have a door that goes into John Malkovich's head. That's just how this works, you know? And like they accept it. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. This is our reality. <laughs> this is a weird I mean, thing. I happening. believe there's a door out there to John. Bond, oh, yeah. yeah. Mine, I mean, somewhere. I think that that might have been a documentary. So, yeah. yeah. John I, I, Cusack's just trapped in there as a passenger now forever. But yeah. uh, what about
1: the film? <laughs> this is, I'm serious. This sounds like Liar, Liar. Ah. So the kid <laughs> makes a the kid I- makes a wish it's in our world. <laughs> yeah. And he makes a wish on his birthday. Yeah. Now, we've all made wishes on our birthday. Nothing's ever happened. That so we some, know of. That we know <laughs> of. Yeah. I, in my experience, nothing's ever happened to that extent. But for whatever reason, his wish, something magical happened. Right. But it's also explained kind of because it's saying the wish came true. But we don't know, I guess we never know why the wish came true. And it's not really questioned. So then maybe it is magical realism.
0: I almost might say that that is an example of magical realism. And it fits in because that's a framework of the entire film. Yeah. Interesting. That's intense. Yeah. I mean, you can
2: watch Liar Liar immediately. Dude,
0: Liar Liar is pretty great. It holds up really well. It holds up. The mask also holds up. Oh,
2: mask
1: is amazing. Dumb and Dumber does not. Really, I, that's no. the one I haven't seen recently. Dumb and Dumber. In like a long time. I, I I
0: watched it again, and maybe it's just not to my taste anymore. But yeah. like, I watched it again, and that is a gross out movie, man. It is vile. Oh,
1: that's a bummer. Yeah. yeah, there is a lot of gross a lot out. Of, humor. A lot of duty humor. Yeah. Um. <laughs> a lot of duty.
0: <laughs> uh, again, John LaPari, Magical realism's strongest example is something like uh, Scott Pilgrim versus a world where our characters live in an established universe but make no mention of the magical elements happening throughout the film. If a character says, hey, this is a magic spell, then that's not magical realism, it's magic. If a character says, let's get out of here, and they open a door into a black hole that takes them to another location, that's magical realism. <laughs> uh, imminent Jargon also, again, says, uh, talking about how we were talking about how filmmaking itself can be magical realism, He talks about, or they talk about musicals. What about musicals? Some are literally fantastic, but I think the general premise of integrated musicals in which the characters can all spontaneously dance in synchronization and with one another and uh, with the music that we hear on soundtrack, which is usually not diegetically sourced, which means it's not coming from within the world itself, but is the soundtrack, uh, gestures toward another idea of magic appearing in a film, but also in a way that feels natural and ordinary.
2: Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point. I was was actually going to bring up La La Land because I was... Thinking about the scene on the freeway in the beginning, they all yeah, just get out of their cars, start dancing on the freeway. Yeah. Song ends, everyone gets back in their car. Nothing ever happened right? Driving away.
0: Yeah, I think that musicals are maybe the most consistent example of magical realism that we have yeah. in film. And like, it's funny because musicals are a genre, and one of the core tenets of them is that this happens. This magical realist moment happens where, like, yeah, we're all going to dance in tandem, and it's a fight. Like, West Side yeah. Story is like, yeah, these gangs have magic dancing fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's normal. And, like, everyone will participate
1: in them and right. know the moves, but then continue, right when it's done, continue the story. Like, right. A, like, I mean, nothing it still happened. happened, but not like whatever it the song weird. was about progressed. But, right. yeah, it wasn't weird. Or and then you have. It wasn't out of place. You
0: have things like uh, The Muppets, the the later one uh, with Jason Siegel or whatever his name is. Um, I believe in that after the musical number like they all look around at each other like that was weird like you know there that joke has happened in a few movies i can't recall exactly which but like where it's like everyone's like why did we just do that like what the hell happened i think of a more grounded one like last
2: five years though mm. where they sing to each other to convey their right, emotions right. or if it's more of a, or if it's a solo they'll sing to themselves and i, I almost think that's like an inner monologue yeah type thing mm,
0: yeah so yeah and well that that's something too that we haven't really touched upon is the use of magical realism to portray a feeling or like an internal monologue uh of a character you know like in la la land uh they start floating in the griffith observatory and like they're flying around and stuff like that and like that's as a filmmaking standpoint this is a sort of a surrealist example of you know, metaphorical filmmaking where the visuals are just saying, Okay, they feel elated, they're flying, you know, this thing. But, you know, if you if you say, like, well, what if this is happening in the world of this film, then it's magical realism, you know? Yeah. Um Calvin Delaney brings up a great old slapstick trope. Uh in the Marx Brothers movie, A Night at the at Casablanca, a main character uh, the main character Roland gets blown up with a bomb and returns to the next scene with a suit torn up and a dirty face, but nobody questions how he survived. Uh, Samuel Cardwell replies to Calvin and said, uh, There's definitely some magical realism in Marx, bro's films. It's hard to draw the line between uh, magical realism and surrealist, surrealist or an- anarchic comedy, uh, the difference between Gilliam in Brazil and Gilliam in Python. Uh, but Harpo is generally the one who bends reality a little bit, and I think that's that's a funny thing where, like, Bugs Bunny is a great example of this, where yeah. crazy things, or like every episode of Roadrunner, where, you yeah. know, they establish, yeah. like, Roadrunner can just run right through this hole in the wall, but then when he tries it, he smashes his face, because he knows that it's a fake painted hole, you know, it's not a tunnel, but the Roadrunner doesn't, so it works, you know, like... That kind of stuff happens all the time in slapstick comedy, and I I do think that that's kind of a form of magical realism.
1: Yeah, it kind of
0: blends like a
1: Venn diagram of like surrealism and magical realism, and that they're kind of I mean they're
0: very similar. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh my god! Oh yeah, yeah. Like that, and that actually leads into our next topic here. But like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a great example of this because. It follows its own rules. the The tune world has rules, and yeah. the real world has rules. And within the film, these are all established. And so, like, none of the characters question it. This is the world that they live in, you know. Tune yeah. Town, Tune Town. Yeah, so good. Tune's got to work. Tune's got to work. And, and that's that jobs. Yeah, that's a question: Is can magical realism follow rules, or must it, by definition, be mysterious? Mm. Uh, Bradley yeah, is that spies, an alternate reality,
1: or is right? Is yeah, yeah. That's
0: like, interesting. like is because everything in who framed roger rabbit roger rabbit has rules does that mean it's not magical realism because it's been defined feels like harry harry potter's harry potter, harry potter yeah yeah uh, uh bradley spies says i figure there's two ways you can do it the viewer understands the rules better than most of the characters or you can do it where the characters in the world clearly understand it far better than we do and we sort of have to trust them that it makes sense so basically dramatic irony or not dramatic irony and this right. kind of goes back to the dimensional door or, uh, suspension of disbelief, trusting your audience and that kind of thing. Like, can something have rules and be magical realism? Because like Brazil has, rules. Brazil has rules. S- Scott Pilgrim versus the world has rules. They're just never stated to us. Yeah. The characters all know these rules because in their reality, this is what happens. So that raises the question for something to be magical realism can it does it not have to be accepted by characters? My my favorite example of magical realism uh, recently is uh, actually this month's uh, assignment film. Uh, and I'm sorry, it's a little harder to get. I think you can get it on Amazon. Uh, but it's called Borgman. And uh, there's a scene in this where uh, these two dogs show up. And as the audience, you're kind of like, are these two dogs? dogs those two weird guys from before like is this what's going on are these dogs but then later in the film and like the main character also looks at these dogs and is like are are these dogs those guys what's happening you know like she thinks it she doesn't say it later on she sees a dog and she she goes she's like looking at it and she just goes Camille you know like she questions it but (laughs) I don't think that that breaks it away from being magical realism just because a character in the movie is also perplexed by it because maybe she's just taking a glimpse at it, you know, along with us. Mm -hmm. Because, like, there are things going on in that movie, and we'll discuss it a little more next month, but, like, because I don't want to taint your read on it too much, but, like, there are things going on in that movie that are definitely magical realists, but I would also say, and I think that the marketing campaign even said that it's an urban, a dark urban fairy tale, you know? So, like things like fairy tales and fables have a magical realism all the time like people turning into animals people like wolves that can talk that dress up like your grandma and eat you like mm-hmm. things like that that are like fables are so metaphorical that they transfer their themselves into this magical world a fantasy world you know and again it's like this blurry line where do you draw it
2: yeah that is really interesting
0: um think of the witch I haven't seen The Witch yet, but I'm too afraid.
2: It's yeah, it's very intense. But I mean, it, it, it's it's, it, it's all so blurry the lines of this because The Witch is about a witch, obviously, right? But it's set in real the real world, yeah. But you know, The Witch does some crazy magical things, so it's yeah. like, is this are the characters imagining this? Is it happening? There's yeah, some, there's some really strange parts at the end. I'm actually
1: glad you mentioned that because. That is a movie that I thought the magical realist element betrayed my trust in it. Really? And it and it, tur- it turned me off to it. Oh. So like when as things escalate and it, it's very grounded in reality yeah. at the beginning. and it, I mean, it's intentional too. Like uh, you and other people watch it and they accept it. But for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I feel like you betrayed my trust mm-hmm. and I don't like what happened. Like it took me out of the film. Yeah. And took me out of the enjoyment of the film. So I didn't enjoy it because of that, that breach of the trust that I felt. But yeah, that was, and it was interesting because I, I would agree. Yeah. That is a magical realism element because you, they treat the whole movie, you know, for a while, everything's real. And then there's different elements that come in that are like, mm-hmm. was, are, is that magic? Is she, is, is someone here a witch? Is something yeah. going on? Or is it, you know, our weird, is everyone kind of just so tense and in interpreting it as magic because it's back in the day and they didn't have understandings yeah. of science, etc. But then it, it, the, the movie makes a choice. Mm-hmm. And before that choice, I felt, yeah, like there was moments where I felt like it, I felt that I trust betrayed and I didn't enjoy it. So, that, so we thought, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Cause it, that yeah. was an example for me at least.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm going to actually jump ahead because you said that into a different topic here and then we'll go back to sanity and dreams again for a second. But, uh, that's an interesting thought because I think horror and sci-fi do this a lot where they dance on the line with, is this really happening? Is this not really happening? Mm-hmm. A lot of films like do that. And I mean, this plays into sanity as well, which we'll get into, but, uh, think about the movie K pax where it's like, is this guy an alien or not? And like that movie, if I recall, doesn't Deep exactly here, make Ian. a choice. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, midnight special is another one okay. that recently kind of did sort sort of something like this uh, where the whole time you're like doubting if, or, or contact, like if you're doubting the character oh my God, is contact. really yeah. seeing this stuff, really encountering this stuff. Um, or like, you know, or the movie frailty, I think with the one where Matthew McConaughey's dad is like telling him like, we're going to kill demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh, and then you're yeah, like, is this yeah. guy just a murderer, like a serial killer? Or is he actually doing this? Is he actually getting messages from God or whatever? And like, is the if the film makes a choice is that better or worse like if the film tells you an answer is that better I love the answer in contact Yeah I'm all for it Yeah, yeah with the aliens like, like I'm I'm your dad cuz yeah. I thought it would break yeah. your mind Yeah Yeah
2: <laughs> and there's in and, and just rooting for her too you want yeah. it to be real like if you if you can get behind something Yeah and the movie gives you a payoff to like feel good I'm I'm always down for that Yeah Yeah I guess it depends on if the
1: answer Adds to the The theme and like you Your your own understanding of the film If it like you know like actually that's the final Piece that I need to really reflect on this right. On this movie and sometimes Not giving the answer is what you needed It's like oh the, the movie is about my own Perception my own, yeah and like what I What I project onto it right And That I think is always I Appreciate both because I, I appreciate You know you're like no this is yeah. what this is what's happening. Right. And like, I'm making a statement and that's part of the whole piece. And I also appreciate when you are, uh, when you're keeping it vague and you're like, you know, right. it's up to your perception Cause both are, are yeah. because both of them are a risk. Because both yeah. of them could could make the audience member not, like I've yeah. had times. Because if like, you don't like the answer. Yeah. yeah. Like the witch, I didn't I, I didn't like the answer. And then in uh, a vague movie, like Inception or whatever, she like I also Inception. didn't like that. I was like, damn, like no, like I, I don't, I didn't want this to be open for discussion. Like, right. I was more interested in an answer.
0: Well, if you look at the details,
1: yeah, it's really yeah. not open. Yeah, for discussion. that was. I, I didn't want to bring that those one. Those are into clearly the mix. his children. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, uh, no, yeah. But I I I appreciate it because they each you're taking a risk and like in either. I one. think
0: I've, I don't know if either of you have seen it, but it's one of my favorite films of all time. But Upstream Color is a great example of of a film with magical realist elements that doesn't ex- over explain everything, that. Is open for your interpretation in a lot of ways, uh, but also you like you can you can personally come up with an answer that feels satisfactory within that framework. I think uh, this sort of leads into uh, the topic of scarcity. We've been, talking about, we've, we've been talking about films that use magical realism as a framework for the entire film, you know, in some cases, like Groundhog's Day or any of these number, other ones. Do you find it more impactful when there is a, con- a consistent use of magical realism in the film, as in the setting or central conceit is a magical realist idea, like in Pad's Labyrinth, uh, or when there are only one or two moments of magical realism, like in Magnolia or Borgman or Birdman?
2: It all depends I think it's so much riskier doing it just in a moment or two
0: Yeah Like Magnolia
2: when the is it the frogs frog rain, rain yeah Freaking weird moment Yeah You know has the potential to take you out of everything that you just watched Yeah But you know it also it also encourages repeat viewing in a weird way Yeah It's like okay now I'm, I'm prepared for this this time around like maybe I should watch this you know one more time and kind of take that interpretation into it Um so yeah, I think I think it's risky when you catch people off guard. Like you're, yeah. you're like you're talking about Borgman, like the dog scene. That sounds yeah like weirdly jarring.
0: Yeah, well it's weird because I would say the frogs are intentionally jarring mm-hmm. in Magnolia, whereas the dogs, Borgman is paced in a way, and like the mm-hmm. whole thing is so bizarre that you're kind of like. Know. You you kind of, like, look at it. You kind of side-eye it the way that the character does. You're sort of like, wait, you know. So it's a little less jarring than frogs raining down from the sky suddenly. Um, I would almost even say that, like, I mean, I guess maybe the song's just playing on the radio. But, like, I think right before the frog rain, they're all having, like, they're all singing along with that Save Me, you know, song. Amy Mann or whoever it is. Uh, and that's kind of an interesting moment, too. I wonder if that... Mm. But the frog, certainly magical realism. Birdman, like, does he actually fly? She looks up at the end. Is he flying? No. (laughs) You think he's a splat on the pavement? Splat dead. No. Yeah. And, like, I mean, that movie does things filmically, like, temporally, where, like, things are jumping around in time, you know, and it's just like, okay, yeah, there are definitely artistic conceits happening here like mm-hmm. this is not truly a one take film it's just meant to look that way God, The Birdman so seriously do you like it or not I
2: uh, there are times I feel like with that Kate like that moment mm-hmm. with magical realism it's it it's almost like saying we're doing this so you don't you're know right, on right. purpose so you're gonna have this conversation it's like so frustrating as a viewer like, do we really need that? Whereas whereas Brazil is just enough to have a conversation about, you know, where was he breaking down? You know, where right. did he go insane? Like, right. you sort of question everything, but it's yeah. not like, na 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 annoying yeah, 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 like yeah.
0: that. Yeah, because in Brazil, you're like, <laughs> the easy read is like, okay, clearly when he when Jack is coming at him with the thing and right before Jack gets shot through the head, you know, that's mm. when the fiction starts. But, like, if you're really watching that, like, this time watching it through especially, I was kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> like, even within the reality of this film, it seems like a lot of this stuff is pretty bonkers. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know. Uh, let me see here. Paul Henderson says, The wonder of the impossible as a metaphor for emotion, its magic, only works in mostly normal films. That, moment's, that moment makes the film quirky and surprising again like certain emotions or it's an outward expression of internal change i really like that phrase an outward expression of internal change again it's like this magical realist moment in some cases like in la la land when they fly is like Mm -hmm. that's a really on the nose you know version of this but like that's a super huge uh just like here's the inside of this character's feeling and i'm showing it to you yeah You know, I'm coming back to them
2: dancing on the freeway. It's like, let's all just let this traffic consume us and not worry about it. (laughs) Like, let's all just go about our day peacefully. Yeah. Um, Would that be considered an hour change? Musicals? I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of times I think it would because... It's it's an emotion so powerful that you can only express it through song and dance Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I feel like musicals is we keep we'll keep coming back to them. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, that is a musical is that is what it's about It's about expressing Mm -hmm. these ideas through this outward display these internal, you know The characters internal emotions or turmoils being expressed, you know in crazy dance numbers. Yeah
0: Um, Max Miller uh, brings up a great example from literature Uh, Would be pretty much any one of Hakuri Murakami's books, uh, Haruki Murakami's books, uh, like 1Q84 or, you know, uh, Kafka on the shore? Beach? Shore. Uh, He can write a trans-dimensional chase scene with the same level of detail as he writes about the main character making a sandwich. I thought that was really good. Uh, Robert Figueroa deftly points out magical realism is much harder to do in film than in books. Your imagination just has more budget. I think that that's actually really good. A lot of a lot of patrons, <laughs> a lot of patrons, brought up "One um, Hundred Years of Solitude" by uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, I haven't read that. I should, but uh, I've I've definitely heard that cited many times as having magical realist uh, moments. Uh, and um, let's get back to let's get uh, back to the sanity. Weirdly thing.
2: off topic, but yeah. going back to something you were saying earlier, the, I'm like syndroming out here. I apologize, Ian. Absolutely. You were talking about um, the way you you film a movie. If that is enough, yeah. and for whatever reason, I'm thinking of Watchmen. Okay. And the way they film it, it you know, and the the colors and everything, it is mm-hmm. so magical. But uh, everyone aside from Doctor Manhattan is a normal. Human with right. no magic powers, right? But the way they fight and do everything is kind of this superhuman, yeah. magical feeling. Does
0: Ozymandias um, have a supernatural like intelligence? Yeah, they kind of <laughs> it say makes that, you sort of? wonder. Yeah, yeah, it's never really expressed. Like the Joker, I heard that. I heard that an explanation of the Joker <laughs> is that he actually is a supervillain because he's so <laughs> smart that he went crazy, you know, which sure. explains his like weird, circuitous plans, but yeah. But yeah I, I definitely i'm I'm kind of in love with this idea that I hadn't really thought about in these terms until preparing for this episode, but this idea that the filmmaking itself can be magical realism like
1: yeah, that's very interesting. The like, I choice of to cut. explore that more yeah
2: like your choice of cut your choice of lens, your choice of shot I yeah mean, you you think of the, the that amazing opening fight scene in Watchmen. And it's like mm-hmm. two normal guys having a hand-to-hand fight scene, but it just feels like yeah. Yeah, these guys super are superhumans, yeah. you know, smashing each other on the desks they're and throwing people like balls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Uh Yeah, I guess just the, because of the way it's filmed. The and yeah, like how it's filmed and like the lenses. I'm trying to. I'm because tr- like definitely you always make a choice, right? And so is that choice based in magical realism? Now I'm like trying to think. Be- I mean, like how to
0: editing in editing i think that a formal edit you know where where an edit is um you know you cut from a guy being laced up in a straight jacket to his son tying his shoe right like that's a formal edit mm-hmm. cuz you cut from the tying of the father into the straight jacket to the son tying his shoe like he's having a normal life i just made that example up i don't know i don't know if that ever happens in a movie but <laughs> find in way, that in a movie yeah find that uh you know check jacob's ladder or uh, well now his kids dead but like uh yeah, you wonder like I mean in a way it's like come on, you know, you could you could say whatever you want yeah. like oh yeah, the yeah. filmmaking is magical realism. I mean like yeah, we get it. We're we're off the reservation here, but like <laughs> it's just an interesting thought exercise, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah. But oh, ooh, oh. No. Yes, a perfect example of this is the movie Shutter Island because I was watching the movie Shutter Island and I was like I I like you know, I was sitting there, and the editing was terrible in the beginning part of the movie. The shots were bad. They were poorly uh, poorly set up, you know? The mise-en-scene was cluttered and bizarre. The green screen looked intentionally poor. Like, it almost looked like rear projection. Like, the filmmaking techniques were being pointed out to me. You know? like inten- Like, so bad. And, like, trusting the filmmakers, like... These are. I thought to myself on the first viewing, not even subsequent viewing, I thought to myself, this is so crappy that it has to be an intentional choice. It has to be. Or, like, the world has truly gone insane. (laughs) And then, like, as you watch back through, like, as you get to the end of the movie and you think back, all of the parts of the movie that are, like, poorly made, like, those really obvious composition shots or, like, really clunky, bizarre editing, really weird shots, stilted movement and dialogue. Those are all the performance parts of the thing. It's all the fake parts of the narrative. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is a perfect example of the filmmaking uh, supporting this, this, like, magical realist in a sense, but, like, intentionally poor filmmaking taking you out of a film to say... To, to a watchful viewer, like, to a deft eye, like, hey, this is not right. Mm-hmm. This is not real. This is not perfectly executed on purpose, which, I mean, maybe I'm giving them too much credit and maybe it was just bad, but, like, it, to me, that's an amazingly intense and almost brilliant choice to, like, make a bad movie for a segment because yeah. it gets better yeah. later. Like, the beginning part, just the exposition, like, maybe the first 20, 30 minutes of this movie are, like, weirdly mm-hmm. assembled so much so that i ha- i was convinced that it had to be intentional had to be had to be scorsese. yeah it's like he's not messing around. right. yeah it would be weird if it cuz you know
1: they could afford reshoots. right. like they could <laughs> right. so yeah it and must like, have been it
0: was totally inconsistent with the rest of the film. you know and i don't think that movie is like great but i feel like, like every director ever should be required
2: like if you want to make a movie you have to at some point in your career make a horror movie
0: interesting should be a requirement Ooh. every single one try your hand i like <laughs> that's that's actually not a bad point you know like i mean think about the shining you know like yeah. oh my yeah. god yeah i would love to see the coen brothers make a straight up horror movie yes yeah like they dance around it you know they make definitely horrific mm. moments yeah yeah you know even and like i mean a- barton fink has some great magical realist stuff in it where like mm. wallpaper is representative of somebody's like psyche kind of and like what's in the box and like is this guy satan you know like i will show you the life of the mind like oh god i love that movie but like that's kind of horror horror elements but it's always through their lens of comedy you know yeah i think they make a lot of existential horror movies (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) almost all of them oh god sure uh i do want to Speaking of barton fink and and like unraveling roll uh wallpaper i do want to touch once again on sanity and dreams uh, do films that deal with character sanity or trustworthiness as a narrator include, include magical realism? Like Train Spotting, like he's high on drugs and there's a baby on the ceiling, or uh, Jacob's Ladder, Fight Club, Mulholl- Mulholland Drive, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Perfect Blue, etc. Do dreams count? Does American Beauty have magical realism in it, or is that just dreams? Uh, John Lepari, again, says magical realism is also usually misinterpreted as dream sequences and drug hallucinations. Although the world may change around your protagonist in these situations, it's still explained in context by either the influence of the drugs or the state of the consciousness of our protagonist. Uh, Liana Alexandru again offers, In my opinion, topics that cover a character's mental state or their dreams or psyche in general fall into the surrealist genre. Surrealism seeks to express the subconscious, unconscious, and repressed and the inexpressible and by contrast magical realism rarely presents the extraordinary in the form of a dream or a psychological experience uh magical realism uh film books and films use the real tangible mundane world and then suggest the magical and supernatural within it i feel like now's a good time to talk about 12 monkeys yes (laughs) oh yeah it's always a good time to talk about (laughs) 12 (laughs) monkeys i haven't seen the movie in a while
2: but i mean that that idea of you know a character being insane and playing on what is real and what is you know he's in a mental institution right it's like no is this guy crazy or is he actually from the from the future
0: right um i i think that is the main well and like brad pitt being crazy in that movie and like you think the whole time i mean and this is another thing about the audience and, and like letting them in on the joke or not like you think the whole time that like okay, clearly it's this guy. He's out of his mind, you know. And he does do the twelve monkeys, and but all he's doing is releasing a bunch of animals from the zoo, mm-hmm. you know. And like this other guys behind every, you know, like yeah, he's like a red herring. It's a red herring, yeah. and like yeah, that's an interesting kind of take on that. Yeah,
1: but, I think for for my definition at least, and I, it sounds like we all agree. Yeah, the sanity and like the or the drug hallucination, or when it ex, it's explained through that, then to me that doesn't fall under. I would agree magical realism and yeah. interesting. Yeah. I guess, I, I don't know if it's surrealism, which is an interesting idea that uh, they brought up, but yeah, I feel like it has to be this separate unexplainable um, and in, it doesn't always have to be unexplainable maybe, but that I think se- that,
0: yeah, I don't, I don't think it always has to be
1: like, that's not the right word, but yeah, it has to be like separate from our reality. Whereas in our reality, mm-hmm. you can have a dream and a drug hallucination. Right. Right. That's part of our reality. There's nothing yeah. magical about right, that, right? Exactly.
0: Um, and just because it's a film and we're showing something that is, like, if 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 there was a movie and a baby was crawling across the ceiling and someone <laughs> wasn't on drugs, but then they were just like, I mean, Adam's family is a good example of yeah. stuff like this, where like things will happen, like those kids cannot die, yeah. you know, and like stuff like that. Like I think that that is a great example of magical realism all over they're like examples almost constantly in those movies
1: adam's family is a good example they're like
0: beetlejuice beetlejuice kind of beetlejuice is explained though because they're they're ghosts they can do stuff like that Mm -hmm. adam's family they're human beings and like they exist in our reality but it's just because their family is weird they can you know a baby can catch a guillotine with its fingers (laughs) and like uh uncle fester can like be struck by lightning and that's fine you know like the hand, Do they ever come yeah, in the yeah thing. Hand? No, hand. it's just a thing that exists. And like okay. cousin it, you know, he just yeah. is cousin it. Like the explanation is, oh, that's just the Adams family. Yeah. That's just my crowd. You know, they're weird. Yeah, yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen
2: Adams Family in no joke twenty years.
0: Adams Family one and two I need to see it are again. like among my favorite. Yeah, movies. I need to rewatch. Like, watch, are, I used to watch. I watch the
2: VHSs. Like, they are uh,
0: beautiful. Also, yeah. also like speaking of romance, like. The weirdest example, like, the greatest couple in film history, possibly, is our Gomez and Morticia Adams. Like, they are endlessly supportive, loving, doting, excited about each other, you know? Like, they, they, uh, they're, like, the perfect couple, and the movie doesn't ever deal with them, like, Trying to break up or like any strife, it's just they're they're rock solid from A to B. Like even when even when also I love how Gomez is always the one who comes unhinged, but like even when Gomez is coming unravelled, Morticia is right there by his side. Like he doesn't, she doesn't. It's never a threat to their relationship. Mm -hmm. She just wants him to be happy and well. You're right.
1: It's like a it's like a one of the they very few do you see such a positive relationship portrayed in a right. film like a supportive right. healthy yeah. healthy extremely relationship extremely healthy relationship they always
2: have like the breakup get back together you know yeah and, and so, everything
0: else like even so like any, mo- I mean, any I movie I forgot where, about that yeah, they are very like,
2: supportive and like
0: they're beautiful <laughs> yeah. they are the greatest couple in history and like <laughs> like I'm not joking and like <laughs> awesome. any like almost any other movie where a couple starts together like you know they're gonna break up or like mm-hmm. in the case of uh, Midnight in Paris done another movie with uh, you know say what you will about uh Woody Allen but like Midnight in Paris I actually kind of liked and like uh it's got some magical realist moments because you know like oh is he really going back in time like mm-hmm. is all this happening or is he just Hemingway a in the car yeah Hemingway, Hemingway's hilarious but like the beginning of that movie he is with someone who is so clearly a piece of crap in a relationship you know it's just like telegraphed from the word go like mm-hmm. hey this person they're gonna break up because she's the worst you know like that's how relationships are in movies, usually, uh, you know. Or they like dance around each other and then bang. In the or
1: head. or yeah. Or they just show like very toxic relationships that they try and not say are toxic. That's right. what always gets me. It's when, like actually these are these people are in a very unhealthy relationship, and the film yeah. it, or TV show is like not aware of that. Right. <laughs> they're like That's, actually propagating oh, a really. Oh my god. Yeah. That 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 re, uh, when that happens in films when they're like this like. Like, those people shouldn't be together There shouldn't be happy music playing like right like kind of like how we felt at uh, what we were talking about Swiss Army Man like oh yeah. like that that's actually very unsettling they, and very un, like he's like ruining her life the biggest like, example like, the biggest yeah, example it's not, thing. it's not a redeemable thing the
0: oh. biggest recent example for me is Passengers that movie is oh my is, god yeah you were telling me that about movie, that that movie like upset me for days with how messed up it is like it's basically just Stockholm Syndrome the movie it's ridiculous uh, but I do suggest uh, Nerdwriter1 has an amazing video called Passengers Rearranged, I think, where he takes her segment and puts it first and how that makes this movie way better. And then, like, the Twilight Zone ending that he proposes is incredible, and I really recommend you watch that movie, or that video. Uh, almost done here. Real quick, I just do I do want to... You know, we're Easy Allies. We talk about video games a lot. I do want to... Uh, just briefly, I, I asked... What about, uh, what are video game examples of magical realism? Mm. And I think like Metal Gear Solid is like a huge one because like, (laughs) and Near Automata, like any of these games that like play with the conceit of video gaming itself, where Mm -hmm. like you are the rube kind of like, you know, that kind of stuff is really interesting. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero is like a very Lynchian kind of like narrative.
2: I think of, I I just played uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, but I think of Unfinished Swan. Unfinished Swan is. I got
0: to play on Edith Finch too. I haven't played that. Uh, beautiful samuel cardwell you'll like this one hubert samuel cardwell offers uh life is strange is a pretty great example yes. of magical realism in video games it's a thoroughly realistic setting wherein the main character and only the main character has one unexplained supernatural ability yeah it's like and liar then, liar and yeah the, uh, like liar, liar <laughs> basically yeah. and the
2: and the life is strange of this year night in the woods you know it's just a bunch of anim- oh, yeah, they're yeah. all animals yeah they're all animals but it's real life so yeah there's at like college and back you know and she's a cat right right it's yeah. like <laughs>
0: uh just a few other like uh, thoughts that i liked that i couldn't really fit into anything uh alexander Ziranov uh asks does the five point palm exploding heart technique from kill bill count i was hoping I'd, we'd talk I would about say probably i was
2: hoping we'd talk about tarantino yeah tarantino you know brushes
0: up against this a lot i think yeah. yeah like uh you know just in a lot of weird different ways you know?
2: yeah, yeah you know I, i've heard the word surrealism thrown around a bit and, yeah you know he he definitely dances the line of surreal and magical yeah. yeah
0: well i mean i think about uh you know the bride's mentor like uh i can't remember his name but the guy with the like the big beard, you know, yeah, and like how she gets out of that uh, coffin and like Pime. all that, kind of, yeah, Pyme, yeah. yeah, like yeah, there are elements of it all over the place. It's pretty, cool, yeah. I wonder,
1: yeah, is it because it? She's like was taught it, and it's part of that hyper, right? Hyper real world. Is it magical? Because like it's kind, of, right? Yeah, it's it's that, a technique it that she blurry. learned within yeah. this, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, that's the takeaway from today. Oh, Alejandro Medina uh, also brought up the yellow bastard from Sin City, like. He's, yeah, just just, bastard, he's just some like, yellow bastard. What's up with that? Freak. Yeah, Freaky. <laughs> um, yeah I, I, that actually makes me want to talk about it too because we were talking about a little bit of,
2: about Watchmen and, and Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Um, and some animated movies. Does it matter if it was a comic before? Because I feel like comic books don't really have to set up rules as much. Right. You know, when I go into a comic, I know I'm reading a comic book. Like there might there's going to be yeah. some some kind of.
0: Well, and like it's it's much like prose. Like in you know in a film you've got to show stuff yeah like in a book uh like blood meridian for example like characters in a lot of cormac mccarthy works um and i do think that the film the coen brothers film no country for old men captures this really well but like my interpretation of a lot of mccarthy's characters are not that not that they're humans they're more like they're like we talked about with mad max like Mm -hmm. they're forces of nature yeah you know like judge the judge in blood meridian is more of a more of just like the embodiment of violence and change than anything else you mm-hmm. know like it's interesting because books can just do that they can just be weird yeah. and they don't have to show it yeah so yeah. they can be more vague the way
2: it came out i don't want to say i'm like comics don't have to set up as much oh, no, or no, something no. Yeah, yeah i'm agreeing I, yeah, I, think yeah, yeah.
0: That, I think that in a certain way it's too, just comics like I, are, are between the two where it's yeah. like a visual medium but you can hide things between the panels mm-hmm.
2: you know and even in just my my perception going in i'm i'm expecting Expecting magical, I'm expecting magic just yeah. from reading a comic. You know, I don't know. yeah, because it's like superheroes and and stuff. I'm expecting the supernatural. I'm expecting a heightened level of, you know, suspension of disbelief in a way. Right. Yeah,
1: that's interesting because I'm sure there is they exist and you. Very, I mean, obviously, you could make one where a comic is just very real and grounded. Yeah, there but, but then, so then and then you're kind of like, well, then was was the comic form the right medium for that story Mm -hmm. because like you're right like usually you you would choose that that form of storytelling that medium of storytelling because it allows you to bend these rules and the disbelief like if the story's just grounded in reality would it have just been better filmed with real people Mm -hmm. or and like sometimes you don't have the means for that or sometimes there's something about the visual nature of it that you know the comic was the correct form Mm -hmm, for that So yeah, it gets but but you're right cuz like I was thinking the same thing. I was like, why do I nece- like I guess it's not necessarily true, but when I'm reading a comic or a graphic novel, I'm expecting like, oh, because it's on this visual co- comic format, that must mean they wanted to express something that you couldn't express yeah. in other mediums. So there's something about So yeah, there is a weird more like of a suspension for disbelief. He's mm-hmm. like, "All right, you're going to kind of it my imagination yeah, well, more think,
2: so than just like, like I think of road to perdition. That was a yeah, comic first. Yeah. Well, it's and, like you it's a gra- grounded, realistic,
0: right, n- normal,
2: yeah. straightforward story, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When well, you have to wonder sometimes like to take it one further in, in the analysis, you know, like maybe that's the point sometimes. Like mm-hmm. maybe I'm writing a comic book because I know you're expecting it to get weird. Yeah. And I'm going to trick you by making it not get weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like a film, uh, A film by a filmmaker, you know, and I don't want to spoil anything by by saying anyone, but, like, a film by a filmmaker who every one of his movies has been sad. You know, every one of this person's movies has been depressing as hell. So then when you go to see Mm. the new one, you're expecting that, you know, and then it has a happy ending, and that blows you away because... That wasn't what you bargained for. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd steeled yourself for this, like, depressing thing, and then you're like, oh my God. Or know? when
2: Takashi Mike doesn't get weird when he yeah. makes 13 Assassins. Right.
0: I mean, that's why <laughs> 13 Assassins is one of my favorite movies of all time because it's his most disciplined work, mm-hmm. it's his most mature work. It's also startlingly violent, like his other stuff, but it's mm-hmm. grounded. You know? Yep. Um, all right. Two more things to close out uh, Fenderbelly Bodine. Uh, suggests that uh, it might be fun if we do a top five segment for every theme like this month it would be top five magical realist movies I think it would be fun if we kind of do it on the spot mm-hmm. uh, and it's five total not each five total uh, And we're we definitely just...
2: putting Brazil in there
0: alright sure phenomenal but movie. does it count yeah, but, now we're saying, does, but it does it count, count in yeah.
1: <laughs> magical realism after our conversation yeah so like after yeah.
0: this conversation yeah. can we come up with five yeah. movies that qualify yeah <laughs> I mean, I would say Borgman, but it's not fair because you guys haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. But you uh, love it. It's a group list. Upstream Color, I think, is another you good You love that example. one too, yeah. Uh, uh, we did talk a lot about Wes Anderson, and I think that those kind of fit. Life Aquatic That kind of stuff fit, yeah. Birdman I think fits Miyazaki film Miyazaki stuff uh, Scott Pilgrim Obviously Scott oh, yeah. Pilgrim Versus Scott the world Okay yeah. Scott Pilgrim
1: Is a pretty clear example Let's just pop
0: that
2: up there On Popped number yeah, one That's you know? in the yeah. uh, Howl's Moving Castle I want to put in there Okay Does, does that count as I
0: think uh, we, you know, we I don't remember Where we came down on that Cause like We were kind of mixed Yeah It starts like, like They're saying Labyrinth It starts off a, normal and Or then... a Wizard of Oz Kind of deal Where it's like Once yeah. you know Then you're in Yeah yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's that's the thing. It's like such a muddy middle ground, yeah. you know. Yeah. Be- know.
2: That is magical realism in a in a, in right. a nutshell. Yeah. That's oh, so. that's, the, that's true. Sort of the, the
0: beauty, <laughs> the beauty of this that we're finding is that the term itself is like the thing it's oh, yeah. fast and loose there's a word for that it's like automatopia it? for a how a word can sound like what it is but like <laughs> yeah that's where so the def, where the word itself the definition is also an example of the thing itself like it's very hard to define just like a magical realist yeah. moment
1: that's what made, this is completely off topic but and i'm forgetting the word for a word that's spelt the same forward and backwards
0: oh uh uh palindrome palindrome yep
1: so furious that palindrome is not a palindrome
0: oh yeah like that makes me every
1: time i hear that word or think about that concept i get so mad that i was like whoever created that just make the palindrome palindrome palindrome. palindrome." that'd be so like that explains
0: uh, itself i i I submitted a word i made up a word and submitted it to the oxford dictionary they denied it Uh, i think it was i think it was something like scornge. Uh, but, you know, some stupid like that. But the definition was a word that doesn't rhyme with any other word. And, and like the, the joke was that it rhymes with orange. orange. That's <laughs> So it's ruining one of the, you know, <laughs> the cliche examples of that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Scott Pilgrim.
1: Scott Pilgrim is on there, yeah. Borgman. We'll throw Borgman on.
0: Uh, upstream color fits. I don't know. Upstream color. Funny games fits. Uh, oh God. being john malkovich
2: being john malkovich being john malkovich get it in there uh liar 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 liar. number one that's probably that's like five (laughs) um all right so then the last
0: thing the last thing before we talk about the next month's assignment uh is the quote challenge ah oh yeah so uh yes uh, huber do you have one do you want to go first i feel like i went first last time i got one i don't remember i love this quote okay we'll see if we can guess it if um. you if you get it don't say it right away until we confirm with each other you can go first okay well you go first all right uh now i'll show you what i already know now i'll show you what i already know I'm and never then it goes g- like this
2: i'm never gonna get one of these Ian. You're too you good. know
0: this movie do um. you know it justin no, but it here's sounds here's another one. I, yeah. I I I intentionally started hard. So here's another one. Okay, maybe we're at war with Norway. Oh no, maybe we at war with Norway. That's the actual quote. I
1: don't know if I know that one. I'm sure I. This I, is all the same movie. Wowzer,
2: wowzer. Uh, okay, how right. about how about this where one? Where are we right now? How about this one? Yeah, where
0: are uh, we? <laughs> You're like what genre hey, are like, we even oof. in? All right, how about this one? Uh, checkmate, checkmate. And then he pours coffee on it and he just goes, cheating, bitch.
1: (gasps) All right. All right. Damn. Those are really good. I picked really hard ones. Because I I know that you love this movie. Yeah.
0: I know you love this movie, Huber. So I picked really hard quotes from it. Uh, How about this one? I'm a real light sleeper, child's. Childs? Mm Child's? Revolver? Mm mm. No.
2: Oh, man. I don't know. You got no, you know it. I don't even know. 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 I'm trying to think of like other ones from it now because those are all the ones I wrote down.
0: Uh, a real life sleeper, child's. Uh, You know, I thought this is a this is a paraphrase, but it's like, uh, you know, I thought you might say that we'll we'll test your blood last. That's a paraphrase. That's not an exact quote, but that's what he says, kind of. I have no idea. Whatever the fuck that thing is, it's mad as hell. The thing? Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank God. Okay.
0: Uh, Dude,
2: those are hard.
0: I know. It's putting you on the spot. Oh it's a stressful game. It's a stressful game. We won't Check get yours. Check. Check, your Check That's the one
1: that yeah. I have The like, computer? That, that scene is and so... And then he pours yes. coffee on it he yes. calls it a so, cheating
0: bitch. Yeah. <laughs> They're all going insane out That's there. That's so oh. funny because
1: I've seen the... Th- I... Sh- when I showed yuli the thing yeah uh yuli my roommate, roommate. Yeah, yeah he had never he seen it. he betrayed me once <laughs> this was after the betrayal i showed him the thing and he was so mad at that scene he's like why do you have to kill the whole computer you know? i was like it's because that's his character he's like an angry like he's like fed yeah. up Ooh. plus they've been out there for yeah, so, so long they just don't care he just, just doesn't give a shit he's just like so mad yeah all he's right so Huber, over give it. it
2: to us all right I try to pick quotes that i like always say and for yeah. whatever reason yeah
0: maybe i'll go easier next time so it's less obscure but i I picked a movie off your favorites list because i wanted to make sure you'd seen it
2: i need to know who he is i need to stand there i need to look him in oh. the eye and i need to know that it's him Pudge. i've definitely seen this you've definitely seen it Oh, <laughs> it's
0: a tough one. It's a tough one. I know it's like, it's like a revenge thing, right? right? No, no. Is he a cop?
2: There's a there's a cop involved, but not the one speaking. Not the one speaking.
0: What the hell?
2: It's also a scene where somebody gets a phone call in the middle of the night and says, "Whoever this is, you owe me another lamp."
0: Oh, because he knocks the lamp off the shelf. Off the nightstand. Oh my god. Is he a detective?
2: What not is, the initial character. Is, damn it, what is this? Is this heat? No. Okay, I was like. No. I
0: feel like it's something like heat. Yeah, something,
2: <laughs> I was like, there's some. Ooh. Just because L. you can't. Confidential? Just because you can't oh. prove it, it doesn't mean it isn't true. Easy, Dirty Harry.
0: Well, so it's not Dirty Harry. <laughs> it's not Dirty Harry.
2: <laughs> Shit. Ooh, this is a good one. Oh, Huber. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the Greats. Is it Diva? from the 80s? Nope. All right. 2000s. Whoa. Oh.
0: Wow. 2000s.
2: Man.
0: Give us another hint. Give us another one. This is a doozy? Let's give another one? The people at home are like, "Ah, oh, it's this, it's yeah.
2: this. No, it's, it's pretty tough.
0: I know that I've seen it. I'm going to kick myself when you tell me this. These
1: are always so fun.
2: Me thinks our friend's a tad bit fuckered in the head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Is it, uh... Is well, it like Snatch? Or- here's, the,
2: here's the last one. This one's this is a cool exchange, all of a part. Whoa. Dude, he wears his gun like bullet. No, McQueen got that from him.
0: Whoa. Damn it! What is this? Not lethal weapon, because I've never seen that. <laughs> You've never seen lethal I know, weapon? Uh <laughs> Damn it! What is it? I can't I I give it's up. It's Zodiac. Ah! Oh. Zodiac. That was like one of my first guests. I was oh. gonna say Zodiac, and then I was like, I felt I like, like no. you were, I felt
2: like you were there, and then yeah. you like drifted yeah. away. from Yeah, there. yeah, it was. For se- a- it was
0: like, it was like almost there, but yeah. not enough for me to say yeah. it. Ah. Did you have one, Justin?
1: Yeah, I got. I have one. I think I remember it, but I, I'm gonna look at it. Just that was so hard. So Huber, you stumped us. It's so a hard one.
0: Say so yeah, it's, it's a hard one. I was I'm like, gonna, I was like, yeah. it, it has a very all those quotes have a Fincher vibe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> even though he probably didn't write that script. But God,
2: I love that movie. I've only seen it once. Though. God, I love it so much. Yeah, it is the. In terms of, it's like two and a half hours. Yeah. But I always like to say. It is the longest, shortest movie right. ever. That two and a half hours of nonstop yeah. dates and facts and information yeah. coming at you. Fincher just great at flies pace. Yeah. by.
0: Yeah. That was like I took one of my ha- one of my favorite movie viewing well not favorite, but like I had re- I really enjoyed watching Das Boot. Das boot. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it by myself in my house. <laughs> I just like had a Saturday and yeah. I, I took like, you know, two Four hours, hours got up, like took a break. Yeah. You know, came back. Watch the other two hours. Yeah. Oh, you told me, so I have it. You told me
1: this one is sort of a reference to last week's. Okay. One.
0: Oh, all right.
2: Forget it, Nicholas. It's Sanford. <laughs> so they're referencing Chinatown, Rushmore,
0: Hot Fuzz. Yep. Oh. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. Nice. How Not did I just done. know that? Wow. That was weird. Yeah. Great. Damn, Ian, dude. Um. All right. Well, that's Reaction Shots. Uh, like I said earlier, your, the assignment film for this month is Borgman. Uh, if it's not on Netflix, uh, check Amazon Prime, uh, or you can rent it. Uh, I'm sorry, I usually try to pick movies that are uh, pretty widely available. Once in a while, you got to pick someone passionate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just This is movie, I think, is criminally underviewed, and I just love it. Uh, you know, warning, it's it's kind of intense. It's a pretty wild movie. Uh, but hard uh, r it's r hard r it's art. more like psychologically r than it's a disturbing movie but not overly disturbing it's weird but uh yeah i mean it's not like there's no like it's not jump out and scare you there's no you know but uh borgman cuz it fits this month's theme uh very very well and it fits the two themes for next month that i'm still juggling Ooh. between in my mind uh that i'll 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 let you know in a couple of weeks which one I settle on. So look forward to that. Um, but yeah, thank you, Justin and Gelma. Yeah. Uh, thanks your, for having uh, Yeah, me. thanks for coming. Uh, tell them your Twitter address.
1: Oh yeah, it's at uh, ikombokom. Yeah. Ikombokom. Uh, yeah. Uh, Banjo kazooie. E- yeah. E k o m b o k o m. That's my uh, Twitter, Instagram, all the good, all the yeah. good stuff. So you
2: played ukulele,
1: uh, I'm
2: actually playing it right now. Nice to you yeah. like yeah. it?
1: Uh, yeah, I was talking to my friend about it. It's it like, I feel like I'm playing an HD re-release of a game that came out perfect, like right at like like Banjo 2e <laughs> Yes, the like they yeah. reskinned it and re-released it. It's Hell like, yeah, like to a fault maybe yeah. exactly <laughs> from that era. But I love it. Nice. I'm just like, I because I feel like I would maybe be I haven't replayed Banjo Kazooie or 2-E in a while, and I feel like I might get frustrated for some reason like going back and playing yeah. it because like they did. You know, it's updated. I'm playing it on my PC, yeah, stuff like that. So, and it's an it's you know the graphics are updated, yeah. and everything. So I jumped in. I was like, oh my god, this is literally tripping me out. I was like, <laughs> did I play this as a kid? Like, yes, but no. Like, but so I'm I'm very much enjoying it. Uh, I love it. And what Banjo Kazooie has and what this has is just like that innocence. Yeah, there's just like this beautiful innocence and like the music and the characters and the world. Totally. And, and yeah, so I'm I'm actually yeah playing it right now and very much enjoying it. Yeah,
0: that's great. But that's I imagine excellent.
1: I was talking to my friend. I, I, Hugh, I, if you haven't, I was talking to Yuli about it, and I was like, if you Betrayer. haven't played, yeah, You yeah. yeah. betrayed me one time. <laughs> uh, if you haven't played Banjo Kazooie and like lo- adored them, like I played, they were like I was obsessed with those games. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you would like this, yeah, probably because not. it is so, it, it, you know of that era totally so if yeah. you kind of missed out on it you might not appreciate
0: that Missed the boat
1: yeah if you missed the boat but i was on that boat and now i'm back on You're it back on that yeah, boat i
0: got my little happy hour I'm just, <laughs> so yeah I'm i don't know it. i don't know if this is hold water enough for a topic for an entire episode but like movies that if you miss the boat you won't like them like a friend yeah. of mine said that they never seen goonies you know and we all love goonies but yeah, then like love it. they watched goonies when they were like 30 totally and they were like yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, dude!" Yeah. And then I thought about it from their perspective, and without any nostalgia, I wonder. You know, yeah, uh, I think it's a good movie. But uh, all right, uh, thank you very much, everyone, for watching and listening. Thank you, Huber. Thank, thank you. you uh, yeah, thank Justin. you both. Burned yeah, yeah thanks for coming by. Yeah, I'm sure great. I'll harass you to come on again. Love to. Would uh, love to. Yeah, yeah, but uh, thanks for watching. Good night and good movies. <laughs> I like
1: that. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the
0: show. (laughs) Life. The greatest movie of them all. All right, bye.